We are live. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host. I'm here with my partner my uh, in all things law enforcement, the co-host of this show, uh, the very handsome Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill? What's going on, Mark? You know, I don't know. It seems like you're freezing up a little bit. Hang on a second. Let me add you back. You're on tape delay, it seems. I know. It's weird. I, I, told, you, I told you about that still. You got to pay for your Wi-Fi. You, you, haven't been pay, you haven't been paying for your bills, I think, you know? You know, it's funny that you mention that. <laughs> <laughs> Could uh, Let me log back in and accept me back in, okay? Sure. No, I'm, I'm going to kick you out. I'm not letting you back in. Hold on, man. This, is, this sucks. We should probably invite – we should also uh, introduce Bridget. Well, I'll let Mark introduce her when he comes back. Mark's okay. having a little Wi-Fi problem right now, but uh, – it's it's okay. Uh, let's see if he comes back in. Anyway, tonight on tonight's show we have Bridget Truxillo. Yep. She's a lawyer, and she's a actually a JD, and she's a CFE, which I happen to know stands for Certified Fraud Examiner. So she's got all the tools. She's a former law enforcement. You work mm -hmm. down in Florida, right? Yes, in uh, Latcher County Sheriff's Office in Gainesville, Florida, University of Florida. Go Gators. Whoa, look at that. And tell <laughs> us about some of the jobs you had during your uh, tenure in law enforcement. Uh, of course, I started out in patrol, uh, like most everybody does. Um, but about a year in, or a little bit less than a year in, I went to the undercover narcotics unit. Um, and then I spent almost the, the rest of my time um, until about the last three months uh, in undercover narcotics. And then while I was in the narcotics unit, I overlapped within the SWAT team. So I was the only female member of the SWAT team. And because uh, we weren't a full-time team, we had some larger agencies. We were what's considered a call-out team, but I loved it. We got to train all the time, um, got to compete in a couple SWAT competitions in Orlando at SWAT Roundup International. Um, so that was really fun. Um, and because I did that, that's why I left to go to law school. So. Wow. That's a, you just summed up your whole life in like four seconds. I did. I did. Well, yeah. when, uh, when, did you, when did you get the chance to star in Scarface? <laughs> well, that would have been cool. you get cool. that a lot? Yeah, no. Uh, you no. get that a lot? No, I don't actually. Yeah, Matt, what's her name? Cool. Mary Elizabeth Mastriano. You look Mastro like Antonio. Mastro Antonio. <laughs> yeah, you look like her. Really? You never got that before? No, no. I get Michelle Pfeiffer sometimes, but that's yeah, been a long well, time. But uh, I'm telling you, that's the first thing I thought about when uh, I was like, wow, I wonder how she squeezed all that in. Yeah, I feel like I've squeezed. I feel like I'm on like life seven of nine so far. Yeah, me too. So uh, you so you were uh, the, the, a deputy sheriff in Florida. What does, where, where, where were you in Florida when you do that? Um, Alachua County Sheriff's Office, which is um, Gain it's, the office is in Gainesville, Florida, which is where the University of Florida is. Uh, I went to University of Florida for my graduate, well, undergraduate degree. Um, actually graduated in horticulture just because I wanted to get the F out of college. And because I was in my fourth year of engineering when I decided to change my major. So then I just had to get out. And um, the week after I graduated University of Florida, I went to the police academy. Um, people always ask me why, and I joke around and say it's because I watched G.I. Jane and I thought it looked cool. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I went to the police academy and got hired in the academy. It's not like in um, like NYPD. I don't know if you get paid while you're in the academy, but um, in Florida, you're not. But I got paid by the sheriff's office while I was there and then started out, you know, hit the ground running at the sheriff's office as soon as I finished the academy. Um, but, yeah, Gainesville, Florida is where I worked. Yeah, I don't. I, where is? Well, I don't even know Gainesville. Like, yeah. I, so it's um, you should go to a game sometime. You should you should experience a an SEC football game if you never have because they're a lot of fun. Uh -huh. And is um, that where the people always go like this with the Gator jaws? Well, the Gators. This is the Gators. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that kills that. me as much. I the what the cheer I hate the most is. Oh, oh, that's the Seminoles. Oh, I hate like, that no, yeah. oh, my me, God, We are, we, we don't, we don't mesh. Um, <laughs> uh, Gainesville is about two hours north of Orlando. So it's with considered North Central Florida, about two hours north of Orlando, about an hour um, south um, west from Jacksonville. Um, so it's easy to get to. It's fun to go to a football game. I recommend it if you get a chance. 
You have to it, ever have people go back into stadiums after COVID, you know? <laughs> that's true. That's it's true. a huge state in Florida. I think Florida is wide open, though, right now, so they probably will. They're pretty wide open. I don't know what they're doing. They had restricted attendance, um, you know, in the fall, this past fall. I mean, of course, that was the year like no other. Boy, they're going all in yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of like I'm in Texas, so kind of like Texas. Our governor said, have at it. Um, yeah. We're all going so, all in. Yeah. Yeah, we love we love Texas and Florida. You know, they can have the the New York governor and the New York mayor. They could take them to to Alaska. Know. You know, when I was leaving New York, De Blasio was running for mayor, and I remember and my husband and I would talk about it. I'm like, this is a mistake. This is a mistake, and he's gonna. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm glad I got out. No, no offense. I love the city, but it. I'm glad I got out when I did. You know whose mistake it is is the electorate that elected him twice. And mm -hmm. Cuomo three times, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I man. agree. We're stuck with this guy right now for what has he got? Eight months left? Six months left? Seven, seven months, I think. Yeah. Uh, De Blasio. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I heard. Was it on y'all's podcast that I heard somebody saying that it could take? It was. It was somebody I can't remember his name now saying that they think it can take up to like twenty years or something to undo what De Blasio's done. Or like a, a well, couple, then, besides, besides what he's done, COVID has done tremendous yeah. damage to the city. Yeah. You know, after 9-11, sure. it took like 10 years for the city to get to recover from that. And this yeah. has been more devastating than 9-11. Uh, so they're getting yeah. billions, and billions and billions of dollars from uh, the federal government. And so people, they should be able to catch up money-wise. What they do with it, who knows? But hopefully if it's... Uh, Infrastructure well, that put some people to work. Well, but then also from a law enforcement perspective, um, the the everything's happened since last summer of twenty twenty, and then the decisions they're making in New York City and New York about law enforcement, and the fact that I can't imagine that there's not going to be even more of an exodus from of law enforcement leaving after some of the decisions that have come down lately, and then that just makes the the rest of the world country or the world think, well, New York. City is going to become well, a super dangerous place again. I'm not going. This is, this is what they're saying. Look, I don't know if you can see that. The job is dead. <laughs> yeah. We got I beat, you, I beat yeah. you to it, Mark. So you put it on the screen. I got mine too. <laughs> yeah. got from, um, that's from uh, Aaron Rodriguez sent that to us. It's actually a cool because it's, it's a bottle opener and it's uh, on the back it says defunded. And it's 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 so heavy. If you ever had to kill somebody, that you hit them with that. This thing is like yeah, yeah. It's, it's no. deadly. It's got some weight to it. You're not gonna yeah. lose well, it that way. I should get one of those and put it in my car because somebody like snatched my purse out of my hand in my car last Friday and I was at the no, Lowe's kid. parking lot and I chased him. My husband, of course, is I like, hope you didn't you chase thinking? him on foot. You chase with the car and use the car. I know, to but take I didn't, him it down. happened so fast and I was like, I'm not, you know, it's just in me. I don't, I'm not gonna let that, him get away. That is ingrained in me. That's, is, a street, I, that's a street crime unit technique. You take him down with the car. I wanted to so bad. I was going to get him by his dreads and take him down. And I, he was too quick. He, I don't even know how he got his door locked so fast. I was right on top of him. But I was like, my husband's like, well, you should have had your gun in the car. And like, babe, I'm not shooting somebody over my purse. But yeah, if I really had something to smack him, I, if I'd have had my ass with me to break his window, that would have been great. But, well, he was in a car and he he got into your car and took off. Uh, it's not your What were you getting gas? No, so I'm in the lowest parking lot, and I had just put something in the back of my car, my stupid purse, which I never carry a shoulder bag for that reason. And I, I, but for that week, I had a shoulder bag, and I put it in the front, the pa passenger seat. And this guy, I go to walk to the back of my car, I hear something, and I see this guy running to my driver's side door, and I start screaming at him, "Oh no, you don't! Oh no, you don't!" And I ran up to my <laughs> passenger side door and put my hand on my purse, but he was head already. He snatched it. I swear he wasn't expecting. I look on his face was like, "Oh crap!" And then. I'm going to try and be PG on this unless you tell me I don't have to be. And then um, have to be. ran up. He, so they were totally casing the parking lot looking for somebody to do what I did, which is to put something in the front and walk away. So they had backed into a, a spot like kind of right in front of me. So he wasn't far from me at all. But I chased into his car. I was this close to grabbing him. I was right there. His door, he shut his door. I tried to open it. I don't even know how they got the door locked fast enough. I would have. And I don't know. Like, I mean, what would he have done to me if I would have gotten it open? I didn't have any tools other than my, that I don't want to fight somebody over my purse, but I was so <laughs> mad. Anyway, it just kicked in. I'm just happy to know that I left 15 years ago that I still have that in me to, to that's, react that's great. that quick. Yeah. That's excellent.
You know, yeah. someone stole my identity and tried well, that's to what you worry about. They tried to apply for unemployment, but because I only made like two thousand dollars last year as an actor, that was what they were basing the unemployment. So I was turned down. <laughs> so the bad, the bad guy was turned down with my ID because Good. my pension's not included in you know with for the unemployment. So I was like, oh, this is great. They can't even steal my identity and get any benefits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stupid criminals. Yeah. Well, Bridget, why don't you tell us about your um, your business? I'll put the um, the flyer up. That uh, yeah, I'd be happy here's to. The, here's the flyer. Yeah, so I um, started a business called the Law Enforcement Legal and Wellness Program that's specifically designed for law enforcement and first responders. I mean, certainly the, the title says law enforcement because that's what I know, but it, I believe strongly that it, it works for all of first responders. And what I mean by that is firefighters, EMTs, um, probation and parole, corrections officers, um, and even I'd even throw in there the district attorneys who prosecute the cases because they interact with our culture. When I say our, I'm going to put myself in there still. Um, it, with our culture, which is a unique, you guys know, it's a culture like nothing else. If you've never worked as a first responder and particularly law enforcement, you have no idea what it's like. Um, and so when I left law enforcement, I didn't, to go to law school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do as an attorney other than I knew someday I wanted to support law enforcement. So I left knowing I wanted to serve not law enforcement. I didn't want to, rather than serve as a law enforcement officer. And so I became an attorney and, and learned a lot as an attorney at different law firms over the years. And then slowly was trying to figure out how I could give back. And about a year and a half ago, two years ago, started, you know, got like, this is it. I don't want to do this law firm crap anymore. Um, and knowing that I wanted to do something with wellness, I wanted to do something for law enforcement officers to feel supported because when I was a deputy, um, especially when I was in the narcotics unit and on the SWAT team, I didn't feel like I was getting any support from my department. And then I felt like it was hard even then in, from a public perspective, because like when 9-11, I was a cop when 9-11 happened, deputy, when 9-11 happened. And even though I was far removed from New York City, I remember I was on patrol and a fire truck drove by and people on the street were stopping and clapping for the fire truck. And then I get dispatched to a call. I walk up to the door. I mean, it's, I just, I think it was a domestic or something. And the guy opens the door and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And I was like, um, thank you. You called me. What can I do for you? And so it's just so, the dichotomy of the difference in how law enforcement is treated and just not appreciated. I felt even then. And so, that's what I wanted to do was create something to give law enforcement the support that they're lacking, which also is the reason why not just wellness, but I include the legal support. So the, the program gives you, if you're a member, you get access to an attorney for legal advice whenever you need or on, on whatever you need. So it does not have to be job related. Um, it can be, you could call and say, Hey, this is what my crappy supervisor is doing to me. Do I ha can I do anything about it? We can give you advice. If you want to start a business, your wife is messing up child custody agreement. You want me to review your will. You want to start a nonprofit. I mean, we can give you legal advice because it's cops can't afford that. Um, you cannot afford a, an hour of retainer or a consultation fee. Um, and yet I know from it, from be, living that, like if I would have had somebody like me to call when I was dealing with the crap at my department, I just would have felt better knowing I had somebody to turn to and somebody to turn to that was not part of my department. Um, well, I was Bridget, Bridget, could you imagine what cops are going through right now? No. Last night on the show with Ed Mullins, we had the uh, president of the PBA uh, from uh, from Seattle. And mm -hmm. I mean, look what those guys are going through there. They are yeah. leaving that department in droves. I can't and, imagine. You know, fleeing to other departments. The nuts who run that city, they're out of their mm -hmm. mind, you know? Yep. And let mm -hmm. me tell you something. New York City could become a Seattle if we don't get some yeah. different people on the city council, different yep. mayor, different people in government, because they are out of their minds too, these people. I agree. I they agree. have this progressive, woke attitude that is not conducive to law enforcement. Yeah, I'm in a leadership group, and I it's a great group with a lot of support, and I really like it. And I shared how I was doing this program just to get some more support or get somebody to sign up for my newsletter, you know, just to get the word out there. And somebody commented back saying, 
I would really love for you to explore the idea of um, community policing. And I, okay, what do you mean by that? And she's like, instead of law enforcement having the communities police on their own, like, what are you even talking about? I mean, then you, you're just yeah. going to create a different type of law enforcement. Somebody has to help protect you. Somebody has to do deal with the dredges that you have no idea even exist in your neighborhood, probably. So, I mean, but I, you know, I, I, Liz, Bridget, they're confused because these nutcases convince yep. the government defund the police, give the yep. money to the community. You know, that's yep. what they say. Now, what do you yep. mean the community? What's the community going to do with it except have some politicians steal it? You know, right? It's yep. it's really pathetic. You know. And these people like they want to pay gangbangers not to not to gangbang, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's a brilliant, brilliant well, idea. Is it New York City? I saw that they appointed a cop killer to a a panel to help. That's the city. Of, that's reform. the city of Ithaca, which has Cornell oh. College, Cornell University, Ithaca College. Yeah, that's another woke city upstate. Yeah, you know? I mean that that does. I mean that's just. I can't. I just can't. I can't. It's unbelievable, you know? Yeah, unbelievable. it's horrible. Let I mean, just... get, get some woke people if you want, but don't get somebody who actually murdered cops. Like, no. Come on. <laughs> In our live chat, Melody McAtee, good to see you here. Michael McAuliffe, uh, Oscar Ferrafino. Oscar, you're a regular. Thank you so much for coming by. MC's Audio, Mike Cologne. Joanne Blasich, the extraordinary math teacher from Long Island. Scotty Wagner, thanks for the 499 super chat, Scott. Um, Peter Pranzo and Rachella Pranzo, you guys are our number one and number two fans. You guys are here every single night. Uh, Juan Avila from Pearland, Texas. It's so good to see people from Pearland. Texas. That's Pearland. It's about 30 minutes. Oh, away. Pearland. Howdy. Isn't that what they say in Texas? Yeah. Howdy. When well, we say uh, y'all, for sure. Y'all, so. y'all, and howdy. And there was someone here from California. Ron, Deputy Inspector, Full Inspector Ron Chindel, Ania Benani Estrell, Rita McCrary from San Diego. Look at this. We're, we're, we're catching on all over the world. Armando Rodriguez. Um, Sandra Rivera, great to see you. you. Did you run your nine miles today? Uh, Christopher Strom, the great Christopher Strong from Brooklyn to Baghdad, his book. Uh, I think I shouted out to just about everyone who's here right now. Peter Lavin, great to see you, Pete. Listen, any of you guys that are not subscribed to our YouTube, could you please do so? We're trying to get our numbers up on YouTube. And even though we pick up people on our Patreon every week, we lose people every week. So we get nervous that we're not loved. So if you could... Please, if you're not on our Patreon, sign up for our Patreon. We have three tiers for seven dollars. Um, what's the seven dollar one? You're the uh, you're the bucket. bucket. And for nine dollars, you can polish my rack. And for eleven dollars, you can dip whatever you want in butter. And that's on our coffee mug. So please join our Patreon. <laughs> so let, let's ask you what, what kind of uh, in your law firm that you help uh, mostly. You, you, uh, with the law enforcement and first responders, what was most of the cases that you wind up um, helping them with? What's the most cases you get? Uh, well, I mean, you know, as we're getting started, it's it's anything. It's and we, it's that we are law enforcement, and we understand. My, my partner, my law partner, Joy Hersher, um, who also has a phenomenal foundation called the Unbroken Project to help uh, support individuals through PTSD and suicide prevention. Um, he, he himself, in fact, that's how I'm connected with you guys, is uh, you know, he's, he's open about the fact that he has thought about or attempted suicide twice. Um, and he's very passionate about helping support law enforcement and first responders in that. So we've partnered together on a law firm and it's just anything that they need. It's, it, but it's the fact that we have, we understand the, the life of, of a cop and, and the stressors that they live through. And so, you know, if you're going to pay somebody, you, you'd love to pay somebody that, that has lived your world. So, I mean, it's, he's a nonprofit, general business law, um, some family law advice. I don't like family law. Um, you know, I can certainly give advice, um, but um, it's been mostly business law and um, nonprofit law so far with officers trying to put together some nonprofits, which is great. Um, but we, it's it's a general business firm, a general law. I mean, we don't specialize. It's just anything for law enforcement. Mark, we try. she actually discovered Dr. Stephen Washkel through our show, and I told her yep. what a fantastic man he is. And he, uh, if Folks listening don't know who he is. He is a brilliant doctor. He lives in Staten Island, but he's a suicide 
prevention doctor. And when mm -hmm. I tell you he is a superstar in that field and a really great human being, he, he really is. That's Dr. Stephen Washkel. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the seven habits of highly effective people. How are you involved with that? And what? what well, mostly I, because I'm I'm, I'm a geek. Because I need your help. Well, um, <laughs> so years ago, before I even went joined, was in law enforcement. I worked at a uh, had a the job I had gave me a lot of customer service training, and um, it's actually a company called O2B Kids. It's a children's entertainment facility, which sounds like no relation to this at all, but. The, the manager that I worked for, who was still a mentor of mine, would train us. I mean, for a minimum wage an hour job, we were getting trained on um, seven habits of highly effective people. So it's something I've learned in my 20s and then um, really has guided me in so many different ways. But the way that it relates to, it relates to anything as a parent, as a person, but the way that it relates to law enforcement and to break it down without geeking out on it completely and spending the next three hours talking about the habits. The first three habits, have to do with like the first one is be proactive and it, what I mean by that is you start with yourself and it's foundational principles of if you can learn look at who you are how what the paradigm or the lens with which you see things and, and understanding that you might have been given the wrong lens from a long time ago or through you know too much stress over the job and and if you really sit down and look at it and say who is the person i want to be and what are my core foundational principles of how i want to live and then taking that to say okay well then how can i put that into action so the first three is look at who you are and make sure you're very clear on that and then figure out if you need to adjust a little bit and then the second three are how do you interact with other people based on that and what I like to say about the last, the second three is I wish I could get all um, supervisors and executives in law enforcement to focus on the second three. Like do the first three because everybody needs to be good, you know, have a good foundation. But then it, but like, how are you relating people? How are you listening to people? I mean, imagine if your supervisor would have come on calls with you and then say, you know, and then at the end of the call said, you know, how can I support you better in this situation? How, how do you think that call went? Is there anything you, how you could have done that better? Um, explaining why a policy might be the way it is, because if people are hungry to know more, because then if they know if they know better, then they do better. And so, the way that the Seven Habits apply to law enforcement, and I actually wrote an article that'll be in the Police Chief magazine, and it'll be published in June. The help, the way that that can help reduce injury for law enforcement is by focusing on those internal principles first. And being clear on who you are, then that gives you the ability to control your own responses. And so you can hopefully learn how to control your reaction. So instead of reacting, you're choosing what your response is going to be and hopefully get into less altercations. Now, you can't always control that. And you guys know that from law enforcement. Um, I think I saw on your Facebook page that there was a, a video or, or maybe one of your, your episodes, there was a video of some NYPD officers taking down a guy. And because I, I remember, because there was a girl that came in to help. And turns out that guy had a gun in the back of his pocket. Like, you yeah, can't control the reason, that. The reason we showed that was to demonstrate the damage of the diaphragm law, that these cops were trying to adhere to the diaphragm law and as a result put their lives in great danger. Yep. You know, well, and that's and what we. Well, and I love that, too, because it's all the different ways that you can't control. There's so much about law enforcement you can't control. You cannot control the culture. You cannot control the, the what I mean, not culture. Well, you, you can't really control the culture you work in very much unless you work your way through the ranks. And hopefully, like you guys know, you can't control city council, can't control the New York City Council, which is making all these awful decisions. The only thing you can control is yourself. And law enforcement goes into this. Everybody goes into this job for a reason, because you want to probably because you want to help. Um, hopefully not because you enjoy the power you have over people because that's the wrong reasons. Oh, that's um, exactly why I signed up for the power. Yeah, so like, I could look yeah. so I could look in the mirror and say, "Hey, officer, why are you wearing white socks?" <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, I got a good question over here from Anya, and it says, "Do teenagers and children with police parents get counseling as well?" Just asking because I'm sure children try to understand why mom and dad or mom or dad is always working a lot or kids worry about their loved ones. Now from that, so my, my guess, I'm a, I can be a lawyer in so many different ways. So my question would be, let me ask more questions. <laughs> um, so counseling from the perspective of 
like therapeutic counseling or like talking to a lawyer. She probably doesn't need mean talking to a lawyer. There are, it's one of the things we do through my business is partner with a lot of different associations who provide different types of resources. And one of those being very importantly, family support. Um, there's more and more, or, and maybe because I just see it more now uh, with my owning a business is that there are more and more organizations and groups and Facebook groups that are there to support not the officer, but the families of the officer or the families of the firefighters, because they're the ones at home that are being left and worried and scared. And they see all the stuff on the news to talk about that. So definitely there are a lot of associations that support the families. And I think that's very important. It's a very important conversation to have um, because there are the, the stressors don't just apply to the officer, they apply to the family at home. Mark, I think I'm going to go to, to a quick commercial. Yeah. Okay. Folks, taxes are being raised in New York. New York is out of control, all right? So if you're looking to relocate to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Carol Waters of the Beach Realty Group has been buying and selling property in the Myrtle Beach area for 11 years now. Carol and her husband, Rob Bain, who's a retired FDNY firefighter, and he also worked on the NYPD, they work as a team. Carol has been a multi-million dollar producer for the past 10 years. They have great knowledge of all aspects of the real estate industry. And Carol is well known around the Irish community in New York. She worked in Fitzpatrick's Manhattan Hotel for over 20 years behind the stick. That's being a bartender for you folks that have never been in a bar. Originally born in the Bronx and brought up in County Mayo, Ireland. Contact Carol Waters for all your real estate needs in the Myrtle Beach area. Carol Waters, sell Myrtle Beach at gmail.com. 914-261-6681. She's waiting for your call. Someone recent from our show called up and asked to use their services already. So it seems like this commercial may be working. That was me, Bill. Oh, that was you. You don't count. That's a good that's a good technique, though. I should call and say, yeah, I'm thinking about it. No, I'm something. actually, I, you know, when I hear the commercial, I want to do it. I want to move. I want to, you know, because um, you know, Bridget was talking about the climate in New York, and and uh, the only thing that's keeping me here right now are my kids. I I'm, I don't appreciate the weather. Uh, I really don't need any any of it. We could we could do this. I could do this podcast from, um, from Soviet Union. <laughs> yeah, but you know what's funny too is that you know most of the like we were having such a hard time, Bill and I, getting retired cops. And now that we were doing, we started with Zoom and now we're doing StreamYard, we get them all because they're all in Florida. Most of the people that we talk to are in Florida. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, South Carolina sounds beautiful, man. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not crazy about Florida so much, but South Carolina really, really intrigues me. So I think I might give her a call. I, I want to I look at some, you know, like maybe a two-bedroom co-op or something like that, like close, you know, on the, on the, on the beach, something like and that. And, Mark, while you're going to Myrtle Beach, maybe you should speak about the hot sauce. <laughs> oh, well, this is our other sponsor. We got two sponsors here. We're looking good. Listen up, guys and gals. We are sponsored by the best hot sauce in the world. Silk City Hot Sauce is made from small batches with pure ingredients. They use locally grown peppers, and that is the foundation of every single bottle of Silk City Hot Sauce. There are several flavors from mild to wild, and the labels are out of control. The labels are actually uh, artwork. Um, and they're beautiful. And since I'm on this diet, and I've lost 12 pounds, by the way, um, the only food that uh, excitement that I get is by using uh, the Silk City hot sauce. And uh, if you want to try it out, please do. Uh, it's you go to SilkCityHotSauce.com. There's many flavors there. Uh, you got Bobby's Big Chipotle, Aztec Attack, Badass Chew, Slurp, Mango Madness, Climate Change, Maple Dragon, Killer Hot, Ghost Whisper. If you put a 15, uh, you if you put OTC in in the coupon code, you get 15% off. It's only like six bucks for a bottle. You get you grab four or five bottles for 25 bucks, and you are hooked up. You are hooked up, especially if you grill. Great stuff to put on. Uh, I've been grilling lately, and I throw it on on. Uh, my fish. You know, Bridget's from Louisiana. She would probably laugh at that hot sauce. They're used to really, really hot sauce in Louisiana, right? Well, we have our different hot sauces. So there's Tabasco, which is different than Crystal, and you use them for different things. They probably, if you're not from Louisiana, you don't really know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, some of those super hot things, I'm a sissy on that because Tabasco and um, Crystals are actually not that hot. 
Um, but we use them with our gum, you know, gumbo for one, um, po boys for the other, different uses. Yeah, I, I actually went to uh, to Florida to Disney World, and that was the first time they had. Uh, I don't know where we went, what park, which park we were in, but they had a whole thing. Uh, it was Mardi Gras Day, so they had all the food oh, there, yeah. and you could out um, the gumbo and the other thing you mentioned. Oh boy! And yeah, crocodile. They had crocodile too. You could get some crocodile. The po boy. Yeah, I had one of those. It's delicious. Have you boy. ever? If you've never been in New Orleans, and if you ever go, please send me a message, and I will give you lots of great recommendations. Because my husband's from New Orleans, and we know all the great po' boy spots and food spots. And um, that, by the way, it's another city where the mayor is destroying it. Um, the shutdowns, the the I mean, it's just the economy is gonna it's gonna take them a decade to at least to recover, which is already a city that was they need that money to fund safety programs, and it, I don't know how they're gonna function. But it's a fun city. You, you know, Bridget, I got both my um, COVID shots, you know, so I'm good to go. I'm vaccinated. And mm -hmm. I'm leaving Saturday night to go to Florida. And I think I told you I'm going to Isla Mirada yep. uh, in the Keys to go fishing. Mm -hmm. I may even do mm -hmm. a show show from there, just a touristy show. Mark's doing the police off the cuff. I may, may do a live from Isla Mirada. Here's Fisherman Bill, you know. I don't know. You should. I, I love Isla Mirada. Um, I was saying, telling you earlier, my dad lived down there for years. So when I went to law school, I was in a, a small Catholic university in North Miami and I was broke. And um, it was before I met my husband. Um, and I would spend all my free time with my dad so he could, I could spend, you know, he'd buy my beer or whatever. Spend his <laughs> so money. That's right. Spend his money. So I, he, he paid for my beer and my food when I was with him. And so we would spend a lot of time on the boat. I've spent a lot of time fishing around the Keys and I love, I got married in the Keys. I absolutely love it. What kind of fish did you catch down there? Uh, dolphin or mahi-mahi um, a lot of times, but I love the grouper. I love grouper. Really love it. Mahi-mahi um, gives you... Mahi Mahi gives you a pretty good fight too. They do. They're really, especially when you get to the 25, 30, 35 pound ones, they're yeah. really, really fun. And they're beautiful when they come out of the water. You almost hate to keep them, but I I'm know sure. as they start dying, the, their colors, just color. like a real yeah. dead body, their colors yeah. start fading. Right. Like you, you feel bad. You're like, Oh my God, the fish is yeah. dying, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's a limit to them. So thankfully you can't just load your boat up, but because um, if you get into a school of them and you catch a whole bunch, that's super fun too. That's great. But you know, we had a, uh, unfortunately, the other night I spoke to you about it, we had a deputy inspector uh, in the NYPD take his own life. Mm -hmm. And it was the first one in a long time. And I think we may want to just uh, touch upon that since Dr. Steve actually is in the audience right now. And oh. um, he, Dr. Stephen Washkel. And, you know, some of the... Uh, the indicators of suicide, you know, talking about wanting to take your life, uh, looking for a way to kill oneself, talking about feeling hopeless or having no purpose. Anyway, apparently this deputy inspector had shown some of those signs and it was very sad that uh, no one could save him, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's super, obviously, I think anybody in law enforcement, I mean, any human, hopefully, but it, within our world, it's, it's something that's so important to all of us to, to do what we can to support those individuals that need help. And, you know, my experience in law enforcement, I, I, you guys can probably, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but a lot of times to me, it was the ones who you they didn't know about, like you who don't say anything that the, it's the ones like you'd get calls and like, I'm going to kill myself and not to take that lightly at all. That's not what I mean. But I feel like it's the ones who would talk about it more, say it more, were the ones like, yes, get help. But it's the ones, the silent ones that were the scariest, meaning, would you know, and, and is it too late? And I ha heard somebody say one time, and I love that Dr. Steve is on the call. He and I have been trying to connect recently about getting together. So let's get together. Um, <laughs> because I don't think you could tell you enough about providing support or bringing awareness to it. But one of the, uh, I heard somebody say one time, a lady who lost her husband, she said, it's death by suicide. It's not like they killed themselves because there's there's an under there's an illness. It's no different than death by cancer or death by heart attack or death by whatever, because there's something underlying that that, that person cannot control. And it's a mental health issue. And that's where from a law it, it providing support to law enforcement is, you know, if you don't want to talk, if you don't want to say it's a mental health issue, fine. But it, it is a mental health issue. And it's something you need to provide support for and talk about and provide you know, resources and know where they can go 
to, to talk about. And what breaks my heart is from that story you were saying is that that um, officer had called somebody and said, this is what I'm about to do. And they just couldn't find him in time. I had a call like that when I was a, a law enforcement officer where a lady called in and said, I'm about to kill myself. And it's even more rare with women, especially with a shotgun, which is what this lady did. And oh, she did, and we couldn't find her. And it was, I mean, it just, it's awful. And it's, it's just that much more awful when it's somebody you know or somebody in your community. Mm -hmm. um, my so, friend texted me, um, he said, uh, tell my friend, he said, tell my, uh, thanks for all your help. You're a good friend. Uh, please tell my kids what happened. So oh, I knew gosh. it was a suicide text. So I went into detective mode right away. I called him up. I said, where are you right now? And he said, I'm at the Garden City Hotel. I said, what room number are you in? And then he go, he just faded out. So I called mm -hmm. up. Uh, I called up actually Nassau County Police Department first and told them, and they put me through to the Garden City Police Department. And wouldn't you know that they got it in time they, they, and they saved him. He, he didn't cut his wrist this way. He cut him this way because he read it online that this way yep. is fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went out there and I, I was just I was just getting there right after everything was gone. But what a mess that room was uh, as far as. But, yeah, sometimes it actually, uh, if, if if you're lucky enough, it works out. Cause yeah. Uh, it would have been a completely different story and uh, and how I felt about the situation if I if I didn't uh, make it in time. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, it's and important to uh, to you know to look for the signs, recognize the signs. But as um, Doctor Steve has said to us on many occasions, if you've seen one suicide, you've seen one suicide. Mm -hmm. You know, it's they're not the commonality is not there. It's they're all they're all different. You know, so and they're all horrible. Yeah. They're all horrible. Or even, um, even if you know, a different scenario is like when I first became a deputy, I remember we were, I don't know what they call it outside of Florida, but in Florida, they call it a Baker Act. So um, an involuntary commitment and it's a three day. And so we, we picked up this lady at this, she was wanting to get in. So we ended up helping her get the, the judge said, yes, you can be Baker acted. Um, so we put her in and I remember, I'll never forget. She was sitting in this hallway and she, um, looked up at me this is what she said she looked up and i had really long i don't know actually, actually i had short hair at the time so it was like this she looks up to me and she goes you and your fucking pretty hair and i was like <laughs> i don't know if i should say thank you you sounded like the wicked witch from the west and the, yeah. the wizard of oz did. yeah and then maybe i don't know how long not that much with it less than a year i want to say maybe I was in training at the time. I think I was still in training. So less than three months later, we got called out to this mobile home and walked in. And it was that lady who had committed suicide. And even just in that short amount of time and, then just, and, and being a rookie and just the reality of that setting in, I'm like, oh, my gosh, did I do something wrong? Could I have done something else to help that lady? And I didn't know her. But just to know that I had met her when she was alive and then I saw her after she had committed and that her, her son was in the house and he was going to need a lot of help. His favorite activity was taking those, um, what is like ninja looking things that are sharp and you can, they can cut you. They're oh, round. Stars. What? Yeah. So he, that was his th favorite thing to throw knives and those. So we walk in the house and realize it's dead ladies there. And then we see the sun and we realize his favorite hobby is throwing knives and sharp things at the wall. And all of a sudden we think, okay, we need to get him out of the house yeah, really. before he starts throwing these things at us. Um, so, I mean, it, and so it's, it's the sadness of, so, but it's those experiences, I think, that create, that are cumulative micro stressors that contribute to a, an officer maybe taking his life later because they've just seen too much and they don't know how to have an outlet. The thing about, and, and Dr. Steven can address this much better than I can, but those things, if you have to address those things because they, they stay with you. There, if, there has to be an exit, whether it's through, mental health exercises or physical exercises or therapy exercises. That's what I want to do is bring awareness and resources and availability to, to officers or conversations around it to say, it does not leave you on its own. You have to actively really? proactively do something to, for that to help you or it compounds in a very negative way. Unfortunately, some of the, and the result could be suicide and I don't want that to happen. You with your, Mary Elizabeth Mastriano face. <laughs> Master Antonio. Master Antonio face. Get away from me, yo. Just from Scarface. 
Dr. Washkill says 20 to 40% of suicides don't give us a chance to intervene. Mm-hmm. And many patients while in a hospital under observation are still able to complete suicide, which is sort of unnerving, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why I say it's death by suicide. It's not, there's something under, you know, there's underlying it. And I mean, it's an, it's an, it's an illness, like just like cancer and it's heartbreaking. You know, the other thing is sometimes, and Dr. Stephen is on the chat, he can tell me if I'm correct mm-hmm. in this, is that it sometimes runs in families. In essence, if someone, mm-hmm. your your grandfather, your uncle committed suicide, it somehow it gives someone down the line almost like permission to do it. Oh, grandpa did yep. it or Uncle Joey did it, you know. That's true. Well, and the and the trauma of that. I mean, somebody in your life that has committed suicide, that that is like that's an I mean, I I don't even know the word you put to that. Um, I've had several close people to me, I mean, that have, you know, not my family, thankfully, but family I've married into or just very close um, friends that have lost someone through suicide and they never recover from that. No. So, I mean, it's so heartbreaking. The family of the guy that just passed away, you know, death by suicide. I mean, I, the that family, I hope that they start now with therapy and don't stop because, I mean, there's no stigma. There should be no stigma to therapy. I have a great time talking to my therapist every couple weeks just to, sometimes I sit there and say, I don't know if I need this today, but I feel like it's taking my feel good medicine and you should take it even when you feel good. So let's, you know, just talk about something. So therapy, I think for sure, um, for anybody associated Bridget, with it. Our, our therapy is this podcast. Mark well, and good. I do it. <laughs> we well, talk to thousands of people and that's how, that's how we- Steven, you, you get those therapists on and gives you tips and hopefully they're giving right, you a little he, Dr. Stephen has office hours right now. He, he said four specific genes have been identified along with specific developmental factors in regards to suicide. So wow. we have the, one of the world's experts on suicide prevention and the treatment of prevention of suicide, mm-hmm. you know, which is, you know. What a shame. It's, it seems that a lot of times too, it's always the, the bigger than life person. And also, too, when we think about drug overdoses, a lot of them, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, you're taking your own life in a way, too. You know, so you have to take those, those into account as well. And a lot of times it seems like it's always the overly uh, happy person. When I Mm -hmm. look at the picture of the, the deputy inspector, because I uh, I know somebody that worked with him and they they put up like a personal picture and they were all out on some uh, racket and they were I think it was a game maybe a Jets or Giants game all in the you know tailgating and he looked so happy there and I'm sure uh, unfortunately I never had a chance to meet him I don't think but I'm sure that he was larger than life probably um, but that's these are the type of people that they're suffering on the inside, but when they're outside, they're uh, I guess they don't want anybody to know, so they go over the top, mm-hmm. and they become larger than life people, and they, they're funny, and they, you know they're all, you know, just great to be around. Those are the people that I, I've I've won from the job that I know that committed suicide. They were just phenomenal, funny, funny people. Yeah, me too. I mean, the one thankfully I haven't known that that many, um, but early on in my career a guy i'd gone to the academy with um committed suicide right i mean within a year of us getting out of the academy and i was just blown away he was so nice and friendly and just seemed like just seemed like i mean just not i don't know is there is there a typical person that i don't know it's just it's always heartbreaking dr steven says often when a first degree relative or partner Supervisor takes their life. It validates suicide as an acceptable coping skill. In essence, that's the um, sort of her- hereditariness of, of a suicide uh, person. You know, that's sad. Well, yeah. well you, you mentioned the the seven steps, um, the the seven habits of highly effective people, and a lot of uh, I can't help thinking, but uh, you know, it's it's a lot of it is. And it's sort of constantly working on yourself. Like you yep. mentioned, you still go to therapy when you're not, when when you don't even think you need it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think constantly working on yourself. Yep. The, the last habits, the seventh habit is called sharpen the saw. And that's where it looks at, do all this work to figure out all how this works for you. And then put the steps into place to 
make that happen all the time. And, and a lot of it is um, through your exercise, nutrition, getting proper sleep, um, and then, you know, education, like continually educating yourselves on, on, on something, whether it's work related or guitar lessons or language lessons or because the, there's a lot of science behind when you're constantly working on educating yourself that stimulates you in a positive way. Um, so and then, um, you know, med really meditation is a, a, any of cops. My husband calls it hippy dippy um, stuff. Um, and I don't care what you call it. I, I, I did a um, recorded a session with a girl this morning on um, she's a, a holistic nutrition coach. And um, she and I talked about this and it's something I will tell cops over and over and over again. Call it hippy dippy if you want, but try it for three minutes. Just try it for three minutes because there is science. There are science that back up how much that can help you. As a law enforcement officer, from the like the sharpen the saw perspective, but just to take care of yourself, just sit for three minutes and breathe. There's all these cool apps. I was telling about there's another one it's I just found the other day called Sky Tripping. Like tripping is like on acid, but I promise there's no acid involved. Huh. Um, but it just is something pretty to look at and it gives you, it times you. So just try it for three minutes. It's free to download it. Insight timer is another one. Um, and just sit and be with your breath for three minutes because the breath allows you to get a mind-body connection and in a way that even if you don't feel it in the moment, it's going to help you later. Um, so that is the doing the work to on yourself. Just like if you're learning a new language, you don't take a, a Spanish class one time and know Spanish. You have to work on it all the time. I don't know Spanish. I would have to start from zero. Um, but it's like that. It's a, it's a practice. There's, there's not like a, okay, check, did that. Nope. It's a keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. I did, uh, I did 30 minutes of breathing today, plus eight minutes in the, in the cold shower. Wow. Yeah. I, I want to get up to 10, man. The 10 is going to be tough because eight is tough. Up. That's really good for Mark, you. Again, Mark, describe what that is. That's called wind hopping. You got to tell the audience. Not oh, yeah. Well, yeah I, I've been doing this thing. Uh, it's the guy's name is Wim Hof at W H I M. That's his first name, H O F. And what he has is, uh, he 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 goes. He's um. He believes in uh, uh, challenging the cold, mm -hmm. and and how healthy it is for you. Mm -hmm. So you know he dips himself in you know waters out there in Poland, wherever he lives. But if you could do it at home with ice water or a shower, cold shower. So I've been doing it today. Was day thirty five. Wow. And I don't always wait, you know, I've gotten up to eight minutes now, but some days like tomorrow morning, I have to, uh, I have to get up early. So I'll just do four. But then whenever I have a chance, I try to get back and, and break the record for me. And um, it's changed my whole life. I feel fantastic. Yeah. And, I, you know, the stuff like that, like, you know, I can't speak for people who commit suicide because it's not something that, um, you know, I like, but th I think there's more to it. I think there's like really some. Um, this we we're all two people. We're all the people that we show people, and then we're also this other person that's you know, that w you know, when nobody's around, the stuff we do. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Whether mm -hmm. it, who knows what it could be? A lot of it's devious. You know, it's the mm -hmm. stuff that you. And if you let that person be, it's the one that you feed. If you feed this person, you know, so. Um, I feel like it's, um, I, I also don't know what that's like um, to, to have suicidal ideation or, or thoughts. Um, and um, I, so I listen to a lot of podcasts and now the guy's an armchair expert and now my name, his, his name's escaping me. Um, he's married to an actress. He's an actor. He's really funny. But he's a, an alcoholic and he's very open about it. He was, um, he was um, sober for, I think, 16 years or something and recently had a like, two or three day binger. And so he's back, you know, back out. He's going. But he's really big into um, AA and um, supporting other people. And one of the things he talks a lot about is when he has somebody who calls him that he's, he's their sponsor and says, I'm having a really bad day. And here's what I talk about. He always says the first thing I say to them is, have you exercised today? Have you done something to take care of your physical body today? And he said, no. OK, great. Then go spend 30 minutes to one hour move in your body and call me back and then we'll talk about it. And he said that whenever they do that, they come back and they're, they're already starting to feel better. And so that's the sharpen the saw stuff, the benefits of that cold therapy. I do that sometimes. Like I try, I'm impressed, Mark. I, I don't have, I, 
I wanted to start with like a one minute cold shower and I, I guess can't. Um, I did, but if you do the breathing, it's a little bit easier. Yeah, so I, I go, I haven't done that yet, so it's good. You, you, can, yeah. you can conquer it. The whole thing is conquering it. It's yes. never been comfortable. I've never woken up one day or, or uh, said, oh, I'm in the mood. For, it's always like, oh, man, I'm not Take in the care. mood today. But mm -hmm. I, I do it. I do it, and when I'm done, I feel great. And when I go in, I don't mess around. Some people do a hot shower first and ease into it. I just put I just put the showers as hot, as cold as it can go, yep. and then I do my well. I first I do my breathing, and then by the time I'm ready to go in, and um, yeah, do you feel like do you feel like that contributed to your weight loss? Yeah, absolutely. But I also yeah. changed the way I was eating because I was yeah. feeling a lot of acidity in my stomach, mm -hmm. and it got to a point where I just I didn't I, I you know I, I'm like an idiot like. I go through these, I just keep popping Tums all day mm -hmm. and trying to like, and because I'm allergic to dairy and all and uh, gluten and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't paying attention to it. So now I, I just, I didn't want to live like that anymore. So now it's it's a little bit better. That's great. Ania Banania Strell says, the first responders truly know they are human and not just a badge. I ask because I know the heavy expect expectations of them. Well, I think they should know that because they got to realize they're human beings and that so much is asked of law enforcement, but mm -hmm. uh, so much is impossible to do, especially these days. And uh, I think, Bridget, you were talking a lot about self-care. And one of the other reasons that exercise is so important is because it produces a natural chemi chemical yep. called endorphins, mm -hmm. which helps to fight depression and feelings of mm -hmm. feeling low. And mm -hmm. that advice to exercise is, I mean, 100%, that's a great idea. And another thing I just, and I, I'm not a member of AA, but I've had a lot of people in my family in AA. And sometimes I think AA is used too much as a therapeutic tool. Like people will get sober and they still go to AA 30 years later, and that becomes their whole life. And I, I've heard therapists say, if you're sober and you're good with it, you don't need to keep going to AA. But a lot of these people would disagree with you and say, "No, I need to keep going." But yeah, but what happens if um, if you substituted um, drinking and hanging out in a bar with hanging out with your sober friends and you enjoy it? Then why not go there? Because now, if you're home by yourself and you're not with, around people, your friends are having a good time. You might go for a drink. Yeah, I yeah, think it's a community. I'm in, no way, I'm in no way giving advice, but I've I've heard therapists say that. Uh -huh. that they don't need to continue to go. They're sober, but you're right. It does that becomes the substitute for, of their drinking buddies. And well, also, too, the movie Fight Club, was that was the beginning of it, where the, he ran into the girl, and they were just going to meetings, just any single meeting that you could possibly go to, just to hang out with other people. <laughs> with problems. You know what I'm saying? And then most people that go to A, they become coffee addicts. Yeah, and and and, and, and sugar and, and, sugar and sugar and cigarettes yeah. too. If yeah. you ever went to an AA into an AA meeting, uh -huh. when uh, you know people just when they were allowed to smoke, people smoked. There was like a huge cloud cloud mm -hmm. in there. I used to I used to joke because we Mark and I both do stand up comedy. Mark's much more proficient than me, so I was mm -hmm. going to open mics. You have to go there to practice mm -hmm. your stuff. And I used to do a joke, say, I just go to AA meetings and I don't tell them who I am. And I go up and I talk, I do jokes for 10 minutes and then I leave, <laughs> you know, and I'm not an alcoholic, but it's easier to go to an AA meeting because you don't have to pay for it. And they're not comics. So they laugh at your jokes, you know? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think that's um, community. I mean, that's the reason why cops hang out with cops because it's somebody that you, um, they get you, you know, and, um, while I do think cops should try to um, not be so, I think it's helpful to have people outside of that community to maintain as, as friends. Um, but I think, I mean, I don't do this, but I, um, I think the challenge would be if you stop drinking, you, my, my brother doesn't really drink that much anymore. And when he stopped at first, he said he definitely felt like he lost friends because that was no longer the world. Yeah, let's go get a drink. Yeah, let's go out to the bar. And he didn't want to do that. And so then his friends changed. And so then it's surrounding yourself with people who, um, you know, get you and support you. And um, so, yeah, I can see that, how um, they, they maintain that community for a long time. Um, but certainly, I mean, well, yeah. Well, you know something, it's, it's funny that um, 
I I really didn't hang out with cops a lot uh, when I was on the job because I worked so many hours and I was with them enough. I didn't need to always, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes we'd be at work for two or three days. So we lived yeah. together, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I always, I always know this and it, it's probably just indicative of the cop culture is that I feel much safer when I'm around other cops and I don't yeah. know, you know, I guess it's the whole thing of cops back you up and you back them yeah. up and you, they saved your life. You said, you know, and that feeling of safety of being around other cops is a mm-hmm. very, very nice feeling, you know. Oh, for sure. I, you know what? I have that. I had that feeling with the cops, but I also have it around comics too. So I don't think I don't know if it's about ha- well, somebody have your back, but it's somebody that gets you and that you have something in common with. So if you're at a party and you don't know anybody there, there's always that social awkwardness. But at least mm-hmm. I have that one person that you know we have this common bond. So the same way, like if I was, uh, you know, we were out at a bar somewhere. And, uh, you know, with the cops that I work with, you know, that was, we, we knew we had each other's back in the same way. If I'm out with comics, at least I know, okay, if I want to talk to somebody, I got these people here. Cause mm-hmm. that's yeah, But I'm- Mark, if I'm out with comics and I get in trouble, I know I'm on my own. No, you're not getting in trouble with comics. No, you're you're well, yeah. It's it's different. They laugh. They laugh. The comics are like, "Oh, Bill's strapped." I said, "Of course, I'm strapped. I'm in New York City. I'm carrying." You know, mm-hmm. it's a weird. You know, that's a whole other weird thing. It's like you could walk into a club, and as soon as you get in, your friend who says, "Hey, we're we're gonna hang out. We're gonna have a blast all night." He takes off. He starts running around the club by himself, and then you meet somebody like, "Are you here alone?" And like, no, of course not. My friend's over there. He's somewhere. He's being a degenerate. But if you go to the club by yourself, it's a completely different feeling. Yeah. Like you meet somebody like, are you here alone? You're like, well, yeah, you can, you can go out alone. It happens. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to be home, okay? I wanted to be, you know, like you just feel totally different. You're not as confident anymore. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was a, that's, that was a – what are we going to close out with, Bill? We got to talk about uh, the picture. Well, I, I just want to uh, uh, put the picture of uh, Dennis um, Dennis Mullaney. This is the deputy inspector who took his own life. God bless him and his family. Uh, we feel horrible about mm-hmm. what happened, and we wish that someone could have got to him before this happened. But uh, police off the cuff wishes that you rest in peace, and God bless uh, your family, Dennis Mullaney. Absolutely. And Mark, I want to put up your. Um, I, I hate to segue to this, but you need to promote this. And, well, uh, I'm recording a, a comedy album on uh, April 25th. It's a Sunday, and we're doing two shows at the New York Comedy Club on Fourth Street. Uh, one shows uh, the first show is 7 p.m. and then there's a 9:30 p.m. show. And this album will be heard on Sirius. It will be heard on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere that you can uh, download um, and we're going the album's going to be for sale on all those uh, you know outlets as well and uh, this is a f- great material that I've been working on so I'm I'm excited about it and if if you uh, if you go to newyorkcomedyclub.com and you put in the code mark you can get a $10 ticket as opposed to $25 at the door so uh, if you're in the area I'd love to have you um, it's going to be a great time. I promise you. You love. You love it. It'll. It'll be great. You could say you were there. That's great, Mark. The other thing is next week, uh, Monday, four to twelve. Mark is doing the show with a great up and coming podcaster, broadcaster, Mike Cologne, who's he's going to be a superstar one day. And I don't know who the hell is is Mark's guest because that's his problem. While I'm gone, and <laughs> on on Paul Thursday, Paul what's Zito. that? Paul Zito is my guest. Paul is somebody that I went through the academy with, and then he wound up uh, working in Staten Island, got into narcotics, um, and then wound up being a canine, uh, a narco uh, detective. And I always was fascinated by canine, and I know a lot of people are as well. Uh, What happens with the dog? You take them home, they become your pet. All this stuff, information we're going to learn about. And um, he's a very, very funny guy. He's a, he's a character. He's from Staten Island. So uh, it's going to be, that's going to be a great show. And then the uh, the next one, it's going to be Irma and I and uh, a guest to be announced. But uh, Irma is always a great guest and I could bust her chops for, for, for you know. 30. Do you know where, Mark, do you know where Irma is right now? 
Yeah, she's in some Biscayne. I don't know. Whether no, she's in Costa Rica. I'm like, this girl's going on more vacations than uh, uh, an airline pilot. You know? Well, yeah, she's got money to burn, man. She's, you know, she works a lot. She's, uh, she's, she's cracking cases. Um, so let, yeah, God bless her, man. You, you listen. You only got this one life to live, man. If I wasn't such a loser, I'd be. I'd be <laughs> well, there's hope for you yet, Mark. Yeah, yeah. You're saying I'm 53 years old. Time's running out. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Bridget, um, do you have any final um, final thoughts? I do, yeah. So I'd love for anybody to check out what our program is about. Um, the website is um, lelwp.com. Um, we, we include a lot. Every month we have a webinar to provide different information on nutrition, wellness, mental wellness, health, um, just physical wellness. And May 3rd, we have, a, we have two free webinars coming up on the 14th and the 21st on resiliency, well, two tactics for resilience. And then leading up to on May 3rd, we have a, a full hour and a half webinar on resilience tactics, which relates to suicide prevention because it gives you the tactics to find more comfort, ease and balance for yourself so that hopefully you can address, you know, definitely addresses mental wellness. So I'd love for people to check out the website and you can find all the courses we have. We offer yoga, um, which I call tactical brain training for law enforcement. I'm gonna change some of the, the names of the courses to call it that. Um, you know, we're on Instagram. So I'd just love for people to start following us and checking us out and seeing all that we have to offer to give back to law enforcement. Bridget, that's fantastic. And I think people should also know that you're, uh, you're the mom of three beautiful children, two am, girls yes. and a boy, two girls and a boy. And two so, uh, and boy. you yep. have, uh, you have your plate very much full with life and uh, work well, and everything else, you know. And I've designed my life in a way to have a lot of um, purpose. And I definitely have three beautiful kids. They're 10, 8, and 3, two girls and a boy. And then my, my husband, um, who's downstairs with them, hopefully feeding dinner. I don't know. I don't, it's not my job right now. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> I do. I, I love it. I, I thank you for bringing that up because it's probably, definitely a, they're probably waiting for you. When's mommy going to be finished with this thing? We want to eat. <laughs> yeah. probably. She's going to throw in some pot pies in the microwave. <laughs> exactly. What, how about cereal for dinner? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, uh, yeah. oh, Bridget, uh, someone asked, what was the website again? Oh, L. So, so it's called the Law Enforcement Legal and Wellness Program. So L-E-L-W-P.com. Um, and you can also search that on Facebook or Instagram and find the, the same, you know, other outlets. Or you could actually just search Bridget's name on LinkedIn or yep. on Facebook and you'll you'll be yep. able to find it too. So yeah, definitely. Uh, her um, name's right a, under there. Yeah, I'm there. Hey, uh, Tom Scully as Mark, uh, late show being used to album recording. Yes, both shows. It's a backup. That's the way you do it. Uh, it's to just rely on one show. God forbid the sound is not working that great or for whatever reason something goes screwy. And then you could also mix and match. Some people actually do a weekend. Some people do two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday. And then they all you got to do is wear the same shirt or whatever you're wearing. And you just mix and match whichever joke works best on whichever set. You can just, well, Mark you just know. turns his shirt inside out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so it looks yeah. like a different show, you know. You're on a, yeah, yeah. Remember, we used to when we first started doing a podcast, we used to shoot two in a row, and yeah. we would forget to bring another shirt because it would look like I it was, was a different day. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> it's little tricks behind the scene tricks. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, if we have over. I think we have over two hundred and thirty shows we've done in wow. two two years and three months. We've been. We've been lighting it up a lot lately, doing different things. Uh, Mark does uh, a show one-on-one -on -one with Mark DeMeo, and I do a real crime stories with uh, Bill Cannon, besides doing police off the cuff. Yeah, so. he had a great one uh, with uh, Tommy Dades and uh, Mazza. was it? Greg Mazza. Uh, Larry Mazza. Larry, Larry Mazza. Yeah. And that was, I, I heard that one uh, last night, driving back from um, Parts Unknown. And that was great. Uh, it's interesting, you know, to hear those stories. And hopefully you can have them back so they can wrap up that uh, the second part of that. You know, Mark, it's good to know that a hitman has PTSD too, you know. I thought we I thought we only had it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's affected him as much as anybody, you know. Probably not. It affects yeah. us more than him. Is it's conscience. Yeah. Every once in a while, when he's when he's he's hacking like a <laughs> the head off of like a fish, he's gonna eat. He remembers when he. <laughs> yeah, you have you have a flashback of the, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> of somebody screaming uh, of, of the Joey Black shooting. You know. <laughs>
Well, it's crazy. All righty. So uh, I think that's it, huh? Yeah, Bridget, thank you so much for well, coming thanks, on and guys. being a this guest. Thanks, guys. It's really fun. I appreciate and, all and that you we, guys do. We wish you the best for your business. We hope you make a lot of money because you're going to need it to pay for the college of your kids when they, as no they start kidding. getting old. They're in you Catholic know. school. They're bleeding me dry right now in Catholic school. So um, it's important to us. I'm glad they're doing it, but good Lord. <laughs> yeah, I know. Kids are expensive. Catholic schools have no mercy on you. <laughs> well, good. Good. Oh, as, they say, as they say in New York, Catholic. Catholic. That's right. <laughs> Catholic school. That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, tonight's episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. And we'll be back. We'll be back on uh, this is all today's Thursday, right? So the next one you won't be here. It's me, Mike Cologne, and um, and Paul Zito, and it's going to be a great show. So please tune in there, and uh, that's a wrap. Thank you. Good, good night, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. All right. Have a good Bye, night, Bridget. Bye, Bye Bridget. <laughs>